0: Thank you, man. Well, good morning. I'm going to set this right here. That works, doesn't it? I feel like I'm in the movies. I am. I'm in the movies. It is great to be here in Newark. York. And uh, my, uh, my wife's father lives in Bel Air, uh, Maryland, which I didn't realize it was that close, man. It was like I took a, a different route up this morning, beautiful drive up here and just um, having a great time. I've been working with a church down in, in Chesapeake, Virginia. And so I was this close and thought, man, I can't be this close and not come see you guys and uh, make sure you're behaving yourselves and all those types of things. So, um, as Michael said, you know, we met through a mutual friend, and uh, uh, what I do, I let, just to give you a little bit uh, about who the character is standing in front of you, is I've been pastoring for 25 years, and um, a year ago this last March, the Lord led me to take what I call a faith of leap, and uh, I resigned my position and launched this ministry in which I'm endeavoring to walk out right now, which is I travel all over the United States speak and do consulting for churches and um, uh, help church planters and, and all kinds of things like that. So my, the reason for me being here today is I hope that in some way what I share with you today will infuse uh, strength in you, hope in you, courage in you, um, excitement in you, passion in you, so that your life, your life in Christ may take a step forward. That's really my heart. It really is. And uh, one of the things that I, I teach um, uh, pastors, you know, young men and women, uh, is that, and uh, Pastor, I'm, the only reason I'm going to mention this is because Pastor Michael mentioned this, is that you uh, be careful that money isn't the reason that you do ministry. Because I'm a firm believer, if you sow, you reap. And so as I'm here today investing in you, God will open amazing doors for me to bring provision. That's my wife and I. That's our heart. And uh, because somebody, when I was early on in my ministry endeavors, there God brought men into my life that sowed into me. And I stand here today because they were willing, without any stipulations, without any um, capital demands, and said, I just want to sow into your life. And that's why I'm here today, because I want to sow into you guys, because I want to see you go to the next level of what it is that God is endeavoring to do here in Newark. And uh, I'm just excited about it. Um, I'm going to share with you a message this morning, talk to you. I think it'll springboard really off of the series, the uh, Four Cups series that you just came out of, which, as you well know, is a series about uh, God establishing the truths of his life in our lives that we can walk this life and we can live this life free that we may advance and grow. And so this message this morning is, is along those same lines. Um, I want to share it with you. I'll just give you the title of it. Uh, really, the working title of this is Breaking the Yoke of Discouragement. Because through the years of pastoring, I saw that discouragement was one of the things that, that, that really stagnated and sometimes destroyed people's lives because they didn't know how to break out of, break off the discouragement that had come to their lives, however that came. And so I'm going to start with a couple questions, seems like uh, in some manners asking these questions in a In a Christian setting is almost, you know, taboo. But nevertheless, um, I'll explain to you why I'm asking these questions in a little bit. Have you prepared yourself for discouragement? sounds kind of out of balance, doesn't it? But the Bible, as we see in a moment, we will see in a moment, Scriptures talks to us about preparing for those types of things. Here's the other question. So the question is, have you prepared yourself for discouragement? The other question is, what are you going to do when things don't turn out the way that you thought they should turn out? Anybody ever been there? Where you're going through life and you think it's going to happen this, all of a sudden it doesn't work out that way. What are you going to do? In 1 Peter 1, verse 13, the scripture says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says this, therefore, prepare your minds for action. In the old King James Version, it uses this verbiage. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what, what, what was that in the picture? What that means is in, in, the, in the East, in the in not untypical of some places in the, in the East today, uh, the men would wear long garments, almost like, almost like robes type of thing. For you ladies, almost like an A-line skirt. Okay, Could you imagine trying to run full bore in an A-line skirt? Not too easy, is it? I've never tried it, to be honest with you, but I've heard that it's not real easy. So what this scripture is saying, because what would happen is if if a man wearing this type of garb really wanted to run full out, what he would actually do is take that garb and pull it up and tie it with either a rope or a a strap of leather. leather. So what? So that it wouldn't encumber him, impede him from running at the the highest, the fullest energy and uh, expedience that he could have. And that's what Peter is saying there is that we need to make sure that we are removing and preparing ourselves so that when we need to move, when we need to excel, there is nothing that's going to hold us back. In 1 Peter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes, uh, comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We get tests in our lives. Do you realize that? Anybody had a test in their life? Mm-hmm. A couple of things. One is this. This is what I've learned. You don't get to pick the test. The test picks you. See, if we get to pick the test, we would be maybe a scenario like this. Either uh, you get to have a flat tire in your car or... The engine's going to blow up in your car. Which one, you, you get to pick which one. Which one would you pick? We'd pick the flat tire every time. We'd always go the easy route, wouldn't we? But that's not the way it works. The test picks you, and what you have to do is make sure that you're prepared to the, to the extent that you know how to be prepared, and the Scripture gives us many ways to be prepared so that whatever test comes in life, you're ready for it, okay? Now, how many of you are students, college, high school, just finished exams, finals, and everything? What what are tests for? To evaluate what you've learned, what you know. See, when the test in life comes, it's not if they're going to come, it's when they come. What they do is really expose to us what we actually know and believe. Till the test comes. And they reveal to us what we know and believe. There's another scripture in James chapter one, verse two. This is this one of my favorite scriptures. James says, just count it all joy, my brother, when when you fall into various trials or different kind of difficulties. I first read that years ago. I thought, man, that James is one sadistic dude. Get happy about problems and troubles. That's like crazy, isn't it? The engine blows up in your car. Awesome. Awesome praise the Lord that's not typically our reaction or our response but James is saying that there is a a joy we can experience and the key is in the next two words in most translations count it all joy my brother when you fall into various trials the next two words knowing this it's what you know that will determine how you're going to walk through difficulties, how you will respond to the attacks that come in your life, the trials that come in your life, how when they come, because, see, you'll have to remember that the attacks in our lives from the adversary are intended to bring discouragement. That's why he attacks us in our lives. And here's something that I found. Well, let's let's look at this. Let's go uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, I have come that they may have life and they have, may have it more abundantly. Let me ask you, what do you think the thief is after? Most people think that the thief is after their stuff. And that's really not what the enemy is after. Because what he is after is what is the what I possess, what you possess, as followers of Christ. That is the most the, and the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness. And my stuff really isn't the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness. Stop and think about it. What's 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 my few dollars I have? Let me see how much I got. 20, 45. 46, 47, my wife gave me allowance before I left. <laughs> you know, 47 dollars. it was my 47 dollars a threat to the kingdom of darkness when he's got a myriad of atheist billionaires throughout the world. I, I, I like to say it this way: <laughs> My refrigerator is not a threat. To the devil, but when my refrigerator fails, I think, well, the enemy's after my refrigerator. But there is something that we possess. There are primarily three things that we possess that are the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness, and that's our giftings, the things that God endows our lives with, our creativity, our insights, the things that we're good at. Okay? The call? What's the call? The call is simply God's beckoning unto us. God's saying, Come and follow me, and I will make you. You realize that was God's call. His call is never, Come and follow me, and I will take you. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, when Jesus beckons into your heart, it says, Come and follow me. What he is doing is saying, I want to expose and reveal to you the great purpose and plan and desire that I have for your lives. That's the call. And the third thing, equally, if not more so, is our character. Our character is really what is developed out of our intimacy with God. time that we seek God, the time that we pray, we worship God. We worshiped God this morning, amazing, wonderful worship. The worship here is powerful, and that's a part of of our uh, atmospheres that God begins to release his life into our lives. The book of Revelation talks about Zion. I won't go into the whole extent of this, but Zion is the place where the presence of God and the praise of of man meet. It's called Zion. And it's a place where God releases so much into our lives. Now, there are three things that typically I have found through the years that the adversary, the enemy, will attack us in to get to those things. Those three things are, are finances. See, the devil will try to get to my $47, but it's not about the $47. He'll attack us in our finances. Uh, many times he attacks us in our relationships, whether it's our marriages, our families, our friends. And the third thing that we typically attacks us is in our, our body, our health. You know, I don't know about you, but but it, it, it feels pretty good when, when I have enough money to pay my bills and have a little bit left over. It feels Feels pretty good about that. I, I, I really like it when my wife and I are getting along and we're just, it's like we have this harmony and, 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 and we just got this rhythm going in our lives and I, that's really, I really like, I like when I feel good, you know? Just how, you know, I, I walk a lot and so I was out walking last night for about an hour and, and i was just, just walking and it's a beautiful evening and I I feel good, I like that. But what happens when all of a sudden Something happens and I I have more month than I have paycheck. When all of a sudden my wife and I are in strife. We aren't getting along. Kids are crazy. In laws show up and stay in for four weeks. And your max is four hours. That's good preaching right there. That was just—I could tell that. No. And all of a sudden, man, you're not—you're not feeling good, and this thing is chronic, and you can't. Seems like you just day after day dealing with. It. What happens? All of a sudden, there is a door for discouragement to come into your life, and what are you going to do? What do you know? See, if you know these things, when all of a sudden you start getting attacked in one of these areas. You know that really what the enemy's after, so you know what you're gonna do. You know how to respond. Those of you Bible students, what were the three three areas that Satan came and attacked Job in? His finances came and wiped out all of his herds, his fields. Next thing to happen, what happened? The whirlwind came and killed all of his kids. Third thing, what happened? He was struck with the infirmity in his body. And what was, what was the adversary? What was, what was Satan really after? Well, we find it in Job chapter 2, verse 9. Job's wife said, do you still hold fast to your what? Integrity? Curse God and die. His character. See, he was after his character. And that's what the enemy's after in your life. He's after your godly character. Who you are, what makes up who you are. And tries to use that to bring discouragement, and if the enemy can bring discouragement into your life, and if you don't know how to break off that discouragement, it becomes a doorway to depression. I'm I'm firmly convinced of this, that the devil really doesn't mind us. The enemy really doesn't mind us being Christ followers. He just doesn't want us being effective and fruitful. Christ followers. I think one of the greatest dangers on the earth today is uh, mediocrity and apathy in Christianity. And I find too much of it as I travel around this country. Let me share with you some of my, Michael alluded to some of my story. Your story is powerful. Do you know that? Your story is powerful. See, people may not like your story, but they can't deny you of your story because it's what you've lived. So here I was, committed my life to Christ and been in the ministry, making a lot of sacrifices and moving my family numerous times to different places that I've pastored and following after Jesus with a passion. And um, four years ago, it was on a Thursday night, about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, my wife and I were in the living room. My wife was on her laptop, and I was watching the news. The news got done, and I said, I'm tired. We talked about what we're going to do the next day. I said, I'm going to go on up to bed. She said, I'm going to finish here what I'm doing on the laptop, and and then I'll be up. I said, okay. So I went up. got ready, went to bed. About 40 minutes later, I heard our dog barking. I won't go into all the details. But I came downstairs to find my wife dead. No clue, no indications. This was a woman that worked out an hour and a half a day at the gym, ate very conscious about what she ate. Forty minutes can change your whole world. You never know. See, that was the test that came to me. I didn't pick that test, believe me. I would have never picked that test, but it came to me. I want to tell you, the days and the weeks and the months after that were some of the darkest, darkest days I have ever lived. I began to lose hope and purpose, understanding. The thing that scared me the most was I couldn't hear the voice of God. Because my emotions were screaming so loud. I would go, when I did finally go back to the office, I was pastoring, I was on staff at a large church in St. Louis. And uh, when I started going back to the office, I would come home from the office and I would sit in the dark. No lights on, nothing on. Sit in the dark and cry. I did that for weeks. Until one night I realized something. Mike, you're moving into depression. And I would cry out. God, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? I had thoughts like this. I'm just going to sell everything. I'll move to Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska is where my kids live. My grandkids live. I'll just move there and I'll... I don't care. I'll, I'll sling slurpees at the 7-Eleven. I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't really care. And I began to wake up in the mornings and the first thing I would do what I would begin to hear if God be for you who is who can be against you. It's Romans 8:31. And it was almost like it was a still, small voice. It was almost like it was this, this minuscule whisper, but it was whispering to my soul. If God be for you, who can be against you? And I held on to that. With every ounce of strength that I could muster up, I held on to that. And a few weeks later, I was praying one night. Because I thought, you know, what I did know to do, and there again, it's what you know. I would spend my evenings as much as I could beginning to pray rather than sit and cry. I began to pray. And one night, the voice of God broke through. And here's what he said. I'm not done with you. And I didn't tell you to leave St. Louis. And I thought, at least I have something. I know that. At least I have that. And I held on to that. And I walked out through uh, uh, much of that darkness with those things. I know that God's for me and nothing, not even the death of my wife of 33 years, can come against God's desire and God's will for my life. I know this. I know I'm not supposed to leave. I know those things. And and with that, I began to walk out my journey. And guess what happened? Hope began to return to my life. Purpose began to return to my life. Because I knew God wasn't done. I knew God had a plan. I knew God was speaking to me. And that began to break that discouragement off of my life. See, there is an account of, of David. Um, some of you may or may not know this, but, but uh, there was a time at David who the, the king Saul was serving the king. and David was a mighty warrior. And Saul got jealous of David and began to try to kill David And so what happened was, uh, in order to save his life, David actually fleed and went over, actually over into the enemy's camp, the Philistines. There was five lords of the Philistines, and David went to one of them, and he actually gave him refuge and allowed him to stay in the city called Ziklag. So one day, the five Philistine lords were going to go out to war against Saul and his army. And the one lord shows up with David with him. And the other five Philistine kings go, what are you doing bringing him along? He's our enemy. You know, he may have have a change of heart in the middle of the battle. And then we got an enemy inside the camp. We can't do this. Send him back. So they send him back to the, the city where he was at. Well, in the meantime, while he's with them, another enemy, the Amalekites, come in. And they burn the city. And they take David and all his mighty men that were with him. They take their possessions and their families, and they leave, take them captive. Again, what were the areas that David got attacked in? His relationships, his families. His finances took all their wealth. And the third thing that's interesting, David and his men sat there in Ziklag, and it said they wept until they had no more strength within them. And then they wanted to stone David. See, the great philosopher Vince Lombardi said this Fatigue creates cowards. See, if the enemy can keep attacking, get you wore down, gets you fatigued physically, mentally, spiritually, get you beat down, whatever, then he, he knows that then you'll begin to compromise. Because that's really. What fatigue does, we quit doing what we know we need to do. But David, it said that David, in first Samuel chapter thirty, verse six, it said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now think about this. A you know, burned out city. His family have all been taken. His wealth has all been taken. All all these guys that were supposed to be with him are turning on him. And it said that David encourages himself. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes it's great to have people around you to encourage you and that's important. But sometimes you will find yourself in a place where there's no one else around you to encourage you. What are you going to do? You have to learn how to encourage yourself. You can't Really put all of the responsibility over in someone else. Well, I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm having a bad week, and, 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 and I, Pastor Michael's got to go by Pastor Michael or Michael? Yeah. Okay. And and so I gotta I gotta get to, to Michael so that he can encourage me. Well, that's good. But what if he's gone? What if him and his family? What what if, what if him and a man are on vacation? Come on. All of a sudden, there's nobody there. What are you going to do? Say, well, I'll stay depressed and discouraged until they get back. They're going to be gone for two weeks. But no, what you do is you learn how to break out of this yourself. Several things that, that I know about David. One was David was what? A psalmist. He was a worshiper. See, what I've learned is when you're in these difficult times, to however you know how, begin to worship God. That doesn't mean you have to be up here with a microphone. No, it may be that you're at home in your living room, and all you need, all you know to do is just say, God, I just, you're my God. I'm walking with you. And I'm pursuing you the best I can. And I just, I just want to acknowledge you as, as my God and tell you how much I love you, Jesus. And It's my life is given to you. And here I am and there you are. We're in this covenant together. What is it? It's worship. See, the other thing that I know David had is back in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 17, uh, it's the encounter of, of Jonathan who was Saul's son and David. Jonathan was in line to become the next king of Israel by lineage. But he says something to David very interesting there together. And Jonathan says this to David. You shall be the king of Israel. See, for David, that was like my Romans 8.31. If God be for you, who can be against you? And I believe that David began to worship God and began to rehearse that word that Jonathan had given him. And it said, all of a sudden, Strength and courage came to David, and he says, This God, what should I do? Shall I go after my family? Shall I go after myself? And God says, Go get it, David, go get them. And he did. And guess what happened? Everything that belonged to him was restored to him. See, that's what I want to encourage you with today. There are so many things, so much richness. That Christ has for your life. That discouragement will come to keep you out of. And you have to be, you have to be adamant. You have to say, No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after everything that Christ has for my life. I'm gonna go after everything that He has for my life, that He has for my marriage, that He has for my family, that He has for my business, that He has for my community, that He has for my church. I'm gonna go after it. And I will not settle until I have, I have heard these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, one of the things, also I've learned a lot of things in my years. I'm not done learning yet. I'm 60 years old. I'm not done learning. I'm still hungry. And The things I learned is that the richness of God many times isn't just going to come to you. You're going to have to pursue it. And you're going to have to be willing to make some sacrifices to get it. Let me end with this. Because as Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. Several years ago, God brought an amazing woman into my life. I was never going to marry again. But God had different ideas. And several years ago, God brought this amazing woman into my life. And now the 25th of this month, we'll be celebrating our anniversary. And uh, I have uh, love again. I have joy again. I feel fulfilled again. And now I'm raising another teenage daughter again. Hallelujah. So why don't you all stand with me? You've been sitting for a little bit. I'll just have you stand with me. You know, not, maybe not in the same way, but similar ways. You've been challenged with something. Oh, excuse me, it's Jesus calling me. I'll call him later. Maybe your story isn't the same as my story. Maybe your circumstance wasn't the same as what my circumstance is. But nevertheless, it's, it's as vital, it's as real, as maybe as impacting and dire as mine was. Maybe you're here today and you're just checking things out. You're just checking this church out. You're even maybe checking Christianity out. It's all about following Christ and what's maybe your question is really what's life all about but let me ask you this are you satisfied with where your life's at i don't know about you but before coming to christ my life was pretty empty and i tried to fill it with drugs and alcohol and all that stuff and just kept coming up empty are you desperate enough to make a change are you passionate enough about your life to make a change? Because that's really what Christ is endeavoring to do, is to bring change to all of our lives, to give us new beginnings, a new start. For me, it was like um, it's like this. How many of you remember the etch sketches You all remember those? You get on there and you draw with the little things, you know? It's like I said to a crowd the other day, you know, about cassettes. Well, half the crowd didn't even know what a cassette was because they were all under 30. I said, go to the antique mall. They'll have them there. That's a sketch. It's like this. Before coming to Christ, I was the one on the dials drawing the picture from my life. And guess, you know what? It's a pretty messed up picture. And then I had an encounter, similar, similar opportunity as you're having here today. And I was desperate enough to say yes to Christ. You know what he did? He took that etch sketch and he went like this, called my life. And he said, now, let me start drawing the picture for your life. Because I have a beautiful portrait called your life. But if you let me, I'll begin to draw it out. And I'll begin to lead you into what I'm drawing. If you're here this morning, you're hearing my voice. I want to encourage you, don't let this opportunity, if you've never accepted Christ, saying, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Maybe you're here today, and at one point you did that, but... Somehow, in some way, you found yourself kind of really off the path, off the journey. But you're here today, and you're seeking, you're searching. This is for you today, too. Today's the day to get back on the path, begin the journey. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today, and you say, that's Mike, that's me. I need my etch, a, etch a sketch, shaken, and a new picture drawn. If that's you today, I want you to just simply lift up your hand. I'm not going to call anyone forward, not going to do anything like that. But if that's you today, just real quickly, just nobody's looking around. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together today. I want to. I'll give you the words, but. You have to put the heart behind it. And so I want everyone out loud to repeat after me, Jesus, here's my life. Today, I commit it to you. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new beginning. I declare today that you, Jesus, are the Lord of my life. I make a commitment today that I will pursue you, I will search to know you, and I will passionately give you my life, all the days of my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, come on, let's give to those who have made that commitment today, amen. Thank you so much for receiving me, for opening your hearts and your lives and allowing me to speak into them in Jesus' name. Pastor Michael.